Good morning. All right, slide, there we go. So uh, in continuing with the theme of saints, people who have gone before us that we, we really admire, we're gonna talk about CT Stud today. So raise your hand if you've ever heard of CT Stud. All right, not too many. So uh, he's a lesser known missionary. He was a missionary to uh, Africa and China. And the reason I picked him is because he founded a mission organization called Worldwide Evangelization for Christ, or WEC International. And it's on a short-term missions trip with WEC that I met Mary Ellen, my wife. And then four years later, we got married at the mission headquarters. And then a year later, uh, we went to China to be career missionaries with WEC. So WEC is a special, has a special place in our hearts, and C.T. Studd was its founder. So we'll, we'll look at him today. Uh, let me pray for a minute, and then we'll, we'll dive into his story. Lord, we thank you for the people who have gone before us, who have followed you to build your kingdom. And Lord, we don't, um, we don't share these stories to exalt men, but to exalt the Jesus who lives in men and women to build his kingdom, so to your kingdom. So we pray you would help us to learn what you want us to learn through C.T. Studd's story today. Spirit, give us ears to hear what you want to say to each one of us. We pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so Charles Thomas Studd was uh, born in 1860 in England. Uh, he was born into a pretty wealthy family. His father was a planter in India, and or like a farmer. And in the 1880s, D.L. Moody was doing an evangelistic campaign. He's an American evangelist. He was in England, just the way Billy Graham did campaigns in the 20th century. D.L. Moody did them in the 19th century. So D.L. Moody is doing this big rally, and C.T. Studd's father went to hear D.L. Moody and came to Christ. He had three sons. C.T. was one of them. And so then he made his three sons go listen to D.L. Moody, and they all came to Christ through this evangelistic campaign. And so C.T. was like a, like he was a teenager. Then he went on to college, and if you hit the next slide, Chase, he played cricket. Raise your hand if you've ever played cricket. Okay, Delaney, there you go. All right, and maybe Mark back there. So it's a bat and ball game, maybe kind of like our American baseball, though I'm sure the Brits would not want us equating it with baseball, but it's kind of like baseball, and it's a pretty big sport in that part of the world. Well, CT became like the best cricket player of his time in the mid-1880s. So even though he had made a profession of faith, he wasn't really walking with the Lord. He was at Cambridge University playing cricket, got really famous. But then his brother got sick and almost died. And then he thought, that made him think about eternal things, like what's life really about? And he rededicated his life to the Lord while he was in college. And then soon after that, he and six other students from Cambridge University decided to become missionaries and go to inland China with Hudson Taylor's China Inland Mission. And that was pretty scandalous at the time because these were seven young men from privileged backgrounds. CT's like the best cricket player in Britain. You can imagine he had a pretty bright future ahead of him. But he threw that all away to go be a missionary uh, in China. And against their family's wishes, their families didn't want them to do this. But uh, they felt called of God. So the next slide, Chase. Then they were called the Cambridge Seven. 
because they all went over to China together to be missionaries in inland China. And as you can see, in order to be effective in reaching the people, they, became, they started to they dressed like the Chinese. They wore skirts, frocks, they grew their hair out and put them in pigtails so that they could identify with the people and better share the gospel. And C.T. was a um, very gifted evangelist, uh, and many people came to Christ through these, through these seven. Um, about a couple years after he got to the field, he came into an inheritance, about 29,000 pounds, which is about $6 million. So this is in the mid-1880s. But C.T. wanted to learn what it means to rely only on God. So he gave away the $6 million to Christian organizations, like D.L. Moody got some money, and Moody used that money to help build the Moody Bible Institute. The Salvation Army, he gave money to Salvation Army. George Mueller, many of you have heard of George Mueller, ran an orphanage. So he gave his $6 million away, and he just wanted to rely on God. Now, you could think, well, this is God providing for you. Like, why would you give it away? But that's just the way he wanted to live. And so the, the mission organization he founded, WEC International, still goes by this faith principle. So if you're a missionary with WEC, you, you can't ask for money. You can just tell people, hey, I'm going to India. Please pray for me. And then you trust that God's going to work in people's hearts to give. And I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. It's not the only way to do it. But that's the way WEC does it because that's how C.T. Studd lived. He had a missionary career for over 40 years, never asked for money, and never lacked. Um, and so I think, next slide, Chase. One of the things we can learn from C.T. Studd is he really lived by faith. And obviously faith is, is a, it's a key principle of how God wants us to live. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to live by faith. And we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what Paul tells us, right? So um, faith is pretty key to what it means to walk with God as followers of Jesus. And if you think about it, our church is on a pretty neat journey of faith right now. Two years ago, by faith, the elders decided to put the building up for sale on Timberlake Road without having a clue where we were going to go after we sold the building. But we really believe God told us. So what is faith? It's hearing from God and then acting on what he's told us when we're, when we're not quite sure where it's going to lead us. And so by faith, you know, we put the building for sale. By God's good grace and mercy, we sold the building. We could never have known someone was going to donate land to us in Madison Heights. And, um, and there's still a lot about in our future that is not in the visible yet. But as a, as a church body, we're walking this out by faith. Um, it was my own faith journey that got me on staff at Grace Church. I was a teacher by trade. That's what I went to school for. About 20 years ago, I was teaching at um, Deerington Elementary School, and I just wasn't finding much joy in teaching. And my wife, who's very faith-filled, said, I think God wants you to get out of teaching. And I was like, I have two kids. I'm in my mid-40s. I'm not trained to do anything else. What am I going to do? But when we prayed about it, I felt like the Lord said, don't renew your contract. So I didn't renew my contract, and my colleagues came up to me, and they're like, I heard you're not coming back next year. What are you doing? I said, I don't know. And they kind of just look at me like, okay, that's pretty interesting. So, but that led me on a journey, you know, of a few months where a few months later I was offered a position here at Grace. So if I hadn't taken the, the step of faith, 
to not renew my contract because I felt that's what God was asking me to do, I never could have moved into the new things he had for me. You know, Jawamak last week, she shared her journey of faith when her husband died and she owned the bakery. And I imagine all of you have uh, stories of faith. And we need to tell, we need to, be, we need to be sharing our stories of faith with one another because it's not easy to walk by faith. And as Americans, we're pretty, we have lots of resources at our disposal. And if we can do it ourselves, we will. And, but God wants us to walk by faith. So when we we tell each other our stories of faith. It encourages us all to take um, those steps of faith. And I wonder how God is creating faith in you and your family right now, because he's always at work in that way, um, creating, teaching us and creating faith in us. All right, so that's faith. That's one thing I, I hope you take away from C.T. Studd. But let's move on with this story. So next slide. He met this, so while he's in China, he met Priscilla Stewart. She was Irish, a missionary in China. And I guess he fell in love with her. And, but this is the way he proposed to Priscilla. Next slide. So he wrote to her, so he's, he's proposing marriage. And he says, it will be no easy life, no life of ease which I would offer you, but one of toil and hardship. In fact, if I did not know you to be a woman of God, I would not dream of asking you. It, marriage, is to be a fellow soldier in his army. All right, women, who would, how would you like to be proposed this way? <laughs> it is to live a life of faith in God, a fighting life, remembering that here we have no abiding city, no certain dwelling place, but only a home eternal in the Father's house above which, you know, Brian talked about today. Such would be married life. May the Lord alone guide you. Okay, that's not very romantic. It's not a Hollywood kind of proposal. But Priscilla was, you know, made a good, you know, here she was. She was already a missionary in China. So um, she said yes. They were married for 41 years. They had six kids. Two of them died in infancy. And two of their children became missionaries. So they served the Lord faithfully together until Priscilla died in 1929. So obviously... Anybody to marry C.T. Studd had to feel as called to, that, to the life he was leading. So they were missionaries in China for a few years. Then they came home. C.T. had terrible asthma. He wasn't a very healthy man, so they came home to England for health reasons. A few years later, they went to India. He pastored a church for six years in India. He felt like his father went to India to make money. He wanted to go back to India for the sake of the kingdom of God. So he pastored a church there. They came back to uh, England. And then next slide. CT saw this sign on a door. Now, you could take this sign to mean a couple of things. But the way it was meant was it was a, a recruitment poster for missionaries to go to Africa. So by this time, CT was 50 years old, wasn't in good health. And, but he, he read this sign, and he felt like God was calling him to go to Africa, the heart of Africa, to share the gospel. Now, because he was in bad health and 50 years old, no mission agency would pick him up. Nobody would sponsor him. And his wife didn't want to go, and, and she didn't want him to go. But he was, again, you can get the picture, a very driven man. And once he heard from God, he, he, he just needed to do it. So he ended up going to... Uh, Next slide. 
Sorry, it's not the best map, but it's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It was the Belgian Congo, the very heart of Africa, where there were tribes of people who had never heard the gospel. And so he took a 20-year-old, so he's 53, he takes a 20-year-old companion, Alfred Buxton, who becomes his future son-in-law because Alfred marries one of C.T.'s daughters. And they, in 1913, they sail for the heart of Africa. Now, when they left, Priscilla was very sick. She was actually an invalid. She was so sick, she couldn't get out of bed. And, but he sailed for Africa anyway. Now, today we would probably say, that's not very wise, that's not very loving, how could you leave your wife? But, and I don't know if they made the decision together, but he left anyway. But the good part of the story is, in God's good goodness, Right after he sailed, she had a miraculous healing. And she jumped out of bed, and then she, she ran things from the home end. So he went to Africa, but she uh, put together pamphlets to mobilize people to pray. She helped with the finances. She recruited missionaries. So she was very involved on the home end of things uh, at w when he went to Africa. The other thing that's interesting to note is when he left in 1913, he would only see his wife again two more times until she died in 1929. She went to visit him once, and he came back to England once. So in, in uh, 16 years, they would only see their, each other twice. That's a lot, of, a lot of sacrifice. Now, again, we probably wouldn't tell people to do that today. Like, yeah, go Africa, leave your wife, and uh, just you know, go, go to Africa for 16 years. But that's... Again, uh, um, it's just what he felt called to do. And I, I, I imagine Priscilla was behind it. And I imagine there was just a lot of sacrifice involved in being separated like that. So C.T. and Alfred go to Africa in 1913. And that's the year WEC International was founded, the year they went. It was called the Heart of Africa Mission. They established four mission stations among eight tribes in the heart of Africa. And they do much what Tim and Rebecca Engels have done. And we're going to pray for Tim and Rebecca today, uh, who went to Papua 15 years ago to work with the Wano. So what do you do? You, you, you've got to learn the language of the people. You've got to reduce their langu language to writing. You've got to teach the people how to read their own language. You have to translate the Bible into their language and then teach them the word of God. Like That seems like a monumental task. But it can be done, and Tim and Rebecca are, you know, proof of how in, uh, God can work through that, and, and that's how he works. So they, um, C.T. Studd died in Africa in 1931, uh, doing the work God called him to do. Four days before he died, he led a four-hour evangelistic meeting uh, on a Sunday, and then he died on a Thursday. So uh, he was faithful to the end. Uh, that was the year he f founded WEC International. Of course, they recruited more missionaries. Today, WEC is still around, 1,800 missionaries in over 80 countries. So there's, a, there's been a lot of fruit from CT's life. You could say he was a mighty saint, but not without his faults. Uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, he wasn't the easiest to work with, as you can imagine. He worked 18-hour days. He didn't believe in vacations. He didn't believe in recreation. He was just a very driven man. He ate the simplest of food, ate and lived in the simplest of houses, and he expected everyone else to do that. And you can imagine that didn't go down well with all the other workers. So by the time he died, Weck was in, there was a lot of eternal dissension, but his son-in-law actually turned things around, and Weck is flourishing today.
So what else can we learn um, from C.T. Studd? Well, next slide. Here's one of his famous quotes. Some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Wow. I mean, that really challenges us, our proclivity to comfort and convenience. This guy was zealous for the lost. Um, and, he, and he lived it out. He certainly had a tremendous zeal to see the lost reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. Who else do we know in the Bible that was full of zeal? Next slide. Our own Lord and Savior, whose death we remembered this morning. Remember in John 2? when they were turning the temple into a place of business. We read, uh, what did Jesus do? He made a scourge of cords. He drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers. He overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal should characterize us as Christians, zeal for the things of God, zeal to see God's kingdom come across the street with our neighbors, our co-workers, and across the world to the, to the nations that still haven't heard. What are we zealous for as a people? What gets us up in the morning? What excites us is to see God's kingdom come here and around the world. And so I think one of the things, now you could say, when the people that CT worked with, what he saw devotion, was devotion to Christ, they saw as divisive fanaticism. So you could, you could say that CT Studd was a bit of a fanatic, and maybe we wouldn't do things the way he did them. But we certainly would want to emulate his desire to see the lost come to Christ and his willingness to, to stake his own life on that. And then here's another one of his famous quotes. Next. Here we go. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Well, what did C.T. know about sacrifice? He knew a lot. He gave up a promising future as a young man, best cricket player in Britain, uh, Cambridge University, wealthy family. He gave that all up to be, to be a missionary in China. He came into $6 million, he gave it all away. And for the rest of his life, he never asked for money. He had, a career, he had a missionary career of over 40 years, and he never asked for money, and he never lacked. Um, what else did he sacrifice? His health. He died of untreated gallstones when he was 71, racked with asthma, malaria. And then he sacrificed the last 16 years of, the last 16 years of Priscilla's life. They were separated. Um, I really like this quote. He says, um, I have searched into my life, and I do not know of anything else left that I can sacrifice to the Lord Jesus. I'm like, wow, that just really challenges me. Like, he looks into his life, and he can't find anything else that he could sacrifice because he'd sacrificed so much. Um, so I, I think he modeled sacrifice, and he reminds us that if the gospel is going to reach the rest of the nations, it's only going to be from supreme sacrifice on the part of the church. And why is that? Because the next slide, 1 John 5, 19, we read, we know that we are of God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
those nations in the heart of Africa and the nations, the, the thousands of nations that still have never, no one's ever gone to them with the good news of Jesus Christ. They are under the power of the evil one. Your neighbor across the street who doesn't profess faith in Christ is under the power of the evil one. And the evil one doesn't give up his territory easily. There's going to be resistance. When you share the gospel, there's going to be resistance, whether it's across the street or around the world. And so without the willingness of the church to both enter into suffering and sacrifice, there, um, there's no way the word's, the word's going to get to the, to the people that need to hear it. Sacrifice has to characterize us as God's church if we're going to see the, the gospel spread um, across the street and around the world. And then um, finally, this is a, a, a verse that makes me, I think it just sums up CT's life. What can God do with the surrendered life? I mean, as fanatical as he might have been, you can't deny that he surrendered everything for Christ. And so I think of this verse, except a gra grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So there was much fruit from CT's life in his willingness to die to himself, say yes to God, follow God to the ends of the earth. And um, yeah, may we be a people as well that are live by faith, are zealous for the kingdom of God and to see God's kingdom come, and are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to see God's kingdom come here and around the world. So... Um, CT is one of my heroes. Anyway, let me, uh, that's it. Let me close us in prayer, and then we're going to send Tim and Rebecca back to the nations. So anyway, let me pray. Jesus, um, CT was willing to make all these sacrifices in view of your sacrifice for us, Lord. When we think of what you did for us, Lord, you bore our sins in your body on the tree that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By your wounds we are healed. Today we celebrated communion, Jesus. We remembered your sacrifice for us. No greater sacrifice has been made. Can we imagine? What it was like for you to feel abandoned by the Father. So we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. And really, in light of that, no sacrifice we can make can be too great for us to make for you. So thank you for a man who, and a woman, they were a team, uh, who lived this out. I pray for our body, Jesus, that we would learn what it is to walk by faith into the unknown and let you write our story. And Lord, may we be zealous for the things of God. Um, may we be zealous to see your kingdom come in this community and around the world. Lord, fill us with your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.